we know we got to trade for her. Just do it. Get her home as soon as we can. But if you do that, it could put Americans at, at further risk. You could incentivize kidnapping people. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Hope you enjoyed the last couple editions. They were panels from my symposium that I host every year at Villanova back in the spring. One was a sit-down with Scott Pioli. Hopefully you saw a different side of him, up close and personal. Scott, of course, three-time Super Bowl champion with the Patriots. But we saw that he has intense feelings about gender equality and racial equality and where he came from. And then we released last week the mental health panel with former Villanova and Eagles star Brian Westbrook, among others, talking about mental health issues among not only uh, pro athletes, but college athletes and high school athletes. Hope you enjoyed that. This podcast is sponsored, as always, by DraftKings, and we are produced by Brian Neal. Musical producer Sam Brandt, you heard his music as we opened. I want to change gears this week. There's something that's been out there that I've been meaning to address on the podcast. Haven't had the right person to do it. Now we do. It's uh, TJ Quinn, my good friend from ESPN, investigative reporter, one of the key enterprise people at ESPN has been doing this for so long. Back in the, I remember him back in the days of Barry Bonds and covering the steroids. Well, he's been covering this Brittany Griner issue in Russia. Brittany Griner being detained in Russia for having hashish oil as she tried to leave the country months ago now, back in February. And this has been lingering, and we've talked about diplomacy efforts and all of that. But I wanted to get an expert and get TJ on the podcast to actually talk about this, to go through what's going on, the background with Brittany Griner in Russia, what's happened, what happened in February, what happened with the White House, what's happened with statements from the WNBA, with her wife, all these kind of things to get into with TJ. So we're going to do that, and I hope you're going to enjoy it. It's going to deep dive into what's happening with Brittany Griner being detained in Russia, with ESPN investigative reporter T.J. Quinn. Before we get to that, a word from a product that I really enjoy and love using and have so for 10 years, it's Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens because while I do eat healthy, you know at my age, it's very important to me, health and fitness. I'm kind of a nerd about that. If you follow me on Twitter, Instagram, anywhere, you see how much I care about that. Try not to be obsessive, though. But I don't always get my greens. So I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to do that. I just scoop it into my water every morning, sometimes first thing in the morning, sometimes a little later in the morning, but I always do it. I throw it in wherever I go. I have travel packs as well. It's great. It is what I need to get going in the day. It has all the supplements I need all in one. It takes care of the greens. It's got the vitamin D. It's climate neutral. It has five-star reviews from everyone out there, including professional athletes and trusted health experts such as Tim Ferriss, Michael Gervais, others, Rich Roll. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Costs less than $3 a day. Listen, I've been using it for 10 years. You should as well. So it's time to reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient and daily nutrition, just a scoop of a scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. That's what I use. With your first purchase, 
All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash BOS. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash BOS. Take ownership over your health. Pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance, Athletic Greens. Now, without further ado, let's get to our guest talking about Brittany Griner in Russia and that whole situation. My friend from ESPN, TJ Quinn. So I think a lot of people know what's going on in a general sense, but no one better to explain it is than you, TJ. You've been following this. Brittany Griner and the whole situation that she finds herself in in Russia. Uh, if you could, kind of take us back to the beginning, which in, in this story, I believe the beginning is February. So thanks for being on and uh, appreciate you taking us through this. Uh, good to be with you, man. Um, yeah, her... So her story story started February seventeenth. The rest of the, uh, the world outside of Moscow and her immediate family and loved ones didn't know until three weeks later. Russia announced it. New York Times reported it. But she was picked up uh, coming into Russia February seventeenth. Um, officials said at the time that they found vape cartridges in her bag that had hashish oil in them. It was hard to know at the time what to make of it because, you know, two things, you know, came to mind. One is that Russia does have a history of planting drugs on high profile people and using them as hostages, essentially. Uh, but there's also a history of, of people doing dumb stuff and trying to bring things into countries that they shouldn't. And I know when I went to Russia four years ago, you should have seen me checking prescription medications and anything I had uh it's it's not a place where you mess around and she um it, it became clear right away that her family and the state department were trying to keep this very low profile because there was some thought at the beginning russia has essentially a criminal justice system and it can operate until it doesn't and they thought if there's any hope at this point of getting her out without her becoming some kind of international bargaining chip they wanted to do it. Uh, by May, it was clear that wasn't going to happen. And the State Department officially reclassified her as being wrongfully detained. And that moved her from the from the consular office to the special presidential envoy for hostage affairs office. Um, and there, there's a specific law, the Levinson Act passed in 2020 that governs that. And uh, makes it pretty easy to classify somebody that way if you want to, um, based on a number of criteria. But what was clear was Russia was willing to deal. And once that's the case, it's no longer, the, the legal proceedings no longer legitimate. It's, it's a negotiation. And uh, going into her trial, um, it, it wasn't clear how she was going to try to defend herself. But the people around her realized it's a foregone conclusion. She will be found guilty. The, the Russian legal system is stacked so heavily against defendants to begin with. If you're a normal Russian citizen, you have less than a 1% chance of acquittal. Um, experts I've spoken to have said that judges who acquit too many cases are pushed out. Mm. Um, the only way you become a judge and advance as a judge is convictions. And even... Uh, Public, you, know, you can get a public defender, but they work with the prosecution. And 
she's got as good, probably as good a lawyers as you can have over there, a uh, pretty serious legal team. But they knew she was going to be convicted because that's what happens. And she knew that the only way she's probably going to get home is some kind of negotiated settlement. So she did plead guilty a couple weeks ago. Um, she, she said that she had packed too quickly, put these cartridges in the bag, didn't intend to break the law. Um, and she's trying to serve a couple different purposes here. One is they, they recognized before Russia agrees to any deal that would send her home, there would have to be an admission of guilt, whether she did it or not, there would have to be an admission. So why not just do it then? Um, and sitting here right now, I don't know if she actually had that stuff or not. I know she said she did because that's what it's going to take to get home. And it makes sense that she might've done exactly what she described, made a mistake. Um, but Russia has sent back some signals that we are not so ready to, to make a deal just yet. Um, first of all, the fact that the, you know, the, the war on Ukraine started a week after she was, she was right. picked up made it really confusing about, um, is there even a diplomatic channel to discuss this? Uh, then at the end of April, uh, Trevor Reed, former U.S. Marine who had been in Russia for more than two years, uh, he was convicted of punching a cop in Moscow. The U.S. Uh, monitor it said it was ridiculous, uh, ridiculous trial. He was also considered wrongfully detained, but they were able to bring him home in a trade for a guy um, in, a, in a U.S. prison. And. While his circumstances are special, he his parents said he untreated he had untreated tuberculosis. He'd been badly injured. The State Department said there was a, a, an immediate health crisis. Um, but what it meant was there was a channel open, and that was a big deal for Brittany Griner supporters. Um, so they knew that at least there there could be a deal. And the best way way to really get a sense of what Russia's thinking is to read Russian media. And there was an article in TASS, but you, you and I are children of the Cold War and right. remember the official news agency very well, uh, had an article saying that there were discussions about trading her for a man named Victor Boot, uh, the very catchy nickname of the Merchant of Death. He's doing 25 years in the U.S. for supporting terrorism. Russia has asked for him before, but it made it clear Russia wants to trade for the guy. Well, now you've got more and more pressure from from Brittany, Brittany Griner supporters on the White House to try to get a deal done. You've got the White House trying to address it, meeting with her. Uh, so, you know, the president called uh, Brittany's wife, Sherelle. Um, she sent a letter to the White House on July 4th. President Biden sent one back to her. But Russia, both the deputy foreign minister and the spokeswoman for the foreign ministry said the U.S. has got to cool it because... Uh, this is a legitimate trial. You've got to let it play out. And that's kind of where they are now. Um, the trial is ongoing. She's pleaded guilty. But in a Russian trial, um, it doesn't end with the plea. Um, they, and I've, I'm saying this just because I've spoken to so many experts. I have no inherent knowledge of this mm -hmm. myself. Um, a Russian case is essentially the, the judge reading the prosecutor's case into the record. It's all the paperwork we would have already filed in the U.S. It's part of the record, not in Russia. The judge actually reads it into the case, uh, reads it into the record. So she's she's probably not going to come to an end of the trial and, and, and see sentencing for at least a few weeks, possibly longer. Um, and her supporters are trying to keep their heads down, knowing that you know they they don't want to 
anger Russia any more than they've been angered already. Uh, and they just want to get to the point where they can get through the trial, strike a deal, get her home. This is fascinating stuff, TJ. I want to pick, uh, unpack a couple things. I thought it very interesting that you said when this happened back in February and for a while, this was totally low profile, right? Not sound right. alarms, not make this a big deal, keep it under wraps. And we are now in a position where we've got the president talking about it. We've got it all over the news. We've got support of the WNBA All-Star Game. We've got the wife making a press conference. And I think what you just said towards the end of that was that, hey, chill, uh, are we moving back to where this becomes low burner so that any diplomatic channels can go forward? Are we still going to see this percolate throughout the news, even though, as you just said, the U.S. in general has been told to sort of chill and, and keep this on the, on the down low while things happen? It's this constant back and forth you've got. And, and when I speak to people around Brittany Grinder, they recognize the conflict that they've got. Yeah. One is, you know, they, they really feel you've got to keep pressure on the White House because you've got different voices in the government making different points. You've got some saying, hey, we know we got to trade for her. Just do it. Get her home as soon as we can. But then there are, there's a significant body of research that shows if you do that, it could put Americans at, at further risk. You could incentivize kidnapping people. Um, just, you know, just this week, there's an executive order from the White House that gives the president new tools, uh, the administration new tools uh, to sanction people who are directly involved with this. And they're trying to do that proactively um, to, you know, try to de-incentivize kidnapping somebody in the first place. And that's something people have felt was missing for a long time. So her people realize right, we have to have some pressure because when you've got this debate in the administration, both the State Department and the White House, and justice also does not like trading people that it has in federal prisons, um, the tiebreaker is the guy at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And so they want to keep the pressure on him. But at the same time, they recognize that every time you do that, Every time the president addresses it, there are headlines all over Russia. They pay right. close attention to this. And I've been, thanks to the miracle of Google Translate, you know, <laughs> been following it. You know, when, when you know, your and my former colleague, Keith Olbermann, made some comment about maybe we should just arrest, arrest Alex Ovechkin. That got press in Russia for a week, and it was treated oh. like it was serious U.S. policy, um, as opposed to just, you know, one guy in the media on Twitter um, just kind of throwing it out. I don't think Keith actually meant it, but it be just becomes part of this huge Russian propaganda machine. So yeah, enough pressure to keep the White House engaged, know that the president's focused on it and is, would be willing to make a deal, um, but not so much that it makes her even more valuable and makes Russia hold out longer. So it's this really, really fine line they've got to walk. You know, it's interesting. People may not know this, obviously. We don't have a lot of strong WNBA fans, but a couple of things going on here. One, the WNBA season is in full bloom, obviously, without Brittany. She's one of, if not the best player, and she's one of, if not the best American players. The obvious point that some may not know is that you don't make a lot of money in WNBA. As a professional women's basketball player, your money is overseas. And this has been going on in places like Russia for years and years. 
And which sort of leads me to the question, maybe if you have any insight on this, would there not be some incentivization from Russia to make this happen so that star women's basketball players are not deterred from going to Russia? I have the name of the team, which you know better than I do, Ekaterinburg. UMMC Ekaterinburg, yeah. Yeah, and Um, I don't know what she makes, but I certainly know that the superstars in women's basketball have gone there, if not to that team, to Russia. So would there be, uh, sort of asking uh, rhetorically, would there be any incentive for Russia to to sort of keep that channel alive? It would see, I mean... I mean, it's interesting. First, just starting with that idea of when we say Russia, what are we referring to? Right. Right. Um, It's and and this is this is part of the problem with negotiating to get her home is knowing who you're dealing with. Um, You've got an autocratic government. It is Vladimir Putin's government. And everybody up and down the line knows do whatever the boss makes the boss happy, even if the boss isn't directly involved. So. I don't know if Vladimir Putin cares particularly what happens to Brittany Griner herself, you know, but we do know from, you know, a, a well-established history and all the experts I've spoken to for years on this, um, they know what makes them happy. And they know that the Russian way of doing things is, is you get somebody valuable, you trade for them. Um, the basketball team. And yeah, you talk about the disparity. She makes about 230000 a year in, in, in the WNBA. She was making more than a million a year in Ekaterinburg because that's a team owned by an oligarch who runs the mining companies. Mm. And key, the, the key power dynamic in Russian government is between Putin and the oligarchs. It's the oligarchs who keep him in power and he keeps them rich by funneling money to them. The story we did four years ago, you know, we were looking at Putin's involvement in international sport. And one of the real, you know, famous, you know, cases or incidents, whatever you want to call it, was uh, the Sochi Olympics. The original bid for those games was $7 billion. The final cost was $51 billion. Wow. And that is money that just went straight to the oligarchs to keep them in power. Putin has to keep them happy, but they have to keep him happy because the guy who used to run all the media fell out of favor one day, was stripped of everything, his money all frozen by the Kremlin, and he was shipped off literally to Siberia. And so, so it's this tension between them. Once the war started, who did the U.S. and other Western countries go after? The oligarchs. That's whose money they froze because they know that's how Putin stays in power. And so you, you, there's this kind of vacuum of, you know, who's in charge of what and who you're really dealing with. In the past, look, if Brittany Griner had brought weed into the country before, if she did it this time, I don't know this firsthand. It's pure speculation. Take it for yeah. what it's worth, which is nothing. But when you go over there under the protection of a, an oligarch, it's like going into a neighborhood where the crime boss says you're OK. But what happens when the crime boss gets busted? Right. And and his assets are frozen internationally, and maybe somebody seized his yacht. And so, I'm sure it's a low priority right now for Putin to, you know, make sure that these oligarchs with these vanity projects, these basketball teams they own, for them to keep being able to do that. But they their ability to engage with the rest of the world has been cut to almost nothing. And you really have to wonder. 
Well, first of all, you know, the money they were spending on these teams, part of it, again, was was vanity. He's not making revenue to cover million-dollar salaries for American basketball players. But there have always been accusations of money laundering. And so when you look at the future of this, you know, it, it's, it seems so unlikely anybody's going back to Russia. One, there's a do not travel order. Mm. Um, you know, the state department's pretty firm about that. And when I briefly thought about going over there to, to cover, you know, any part of this trial, it was quickly pointed out. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. You don't want to lose you, TJ. <laughs> it was described to me as a spectacularly bad idea. Um, so um, so you've got that, but also the, the money may just not be there anymore. Yeah. Um, Russia is going broke quickly. And, uh, the, and the WNBA has also, you know, I mean, which, you know, the NBA controls, um, Adam Silver has said, we, we know we need to address this. We know we need to put more money into it so the players don't have to do this, but they also created an exclusivity rule where you cannot be late for training camp for your WNBA, WNBA team because you're playing for somebody in Russia, China, Israel, Turkey, wherever. Um, so they're trying to address that as well. But um, Russia, it's so hard to know what the motivations are. They, um, you know, again, that, that legal system is transactional, um, but they also go through this entire pretense of acting like it's all real. It's for yeah. both the domestic audience and uh, international. And by the way, a lot of what I'm saying comes from this uh, outstanding expert on state-sponsored hostage-taking, uh, Professor Danielle Gilbert. Um, if somebody wants to look her up, she's done amazing work on this um, and talks about why Russia needs to do this. She's uh, been at the U.S. Air Force Academy. On, she's on the fellowship right now. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, that, what that's, the, that's the game. Yeah, what we have, that's, that's the word. What we have here is just a high-value poker game, high-value negotiation, and you, you use the word transactional. So let's talk about that. You mentioned, Victor, about this, this arms dealer who's kind of a high-value asset for Russia to get back. I read somewhere where, you know, if you look at it as a pure negotiation, Griner would hardly be enough to... to it would have to be like a three for one with Griner and two other high value targets. Um, is that from what you know, is Victor Bout kind of the number one asset that Russia's looking the, to package, if you will, Brittany Griner? He's he's the one who's out there. Um, and I want to I want to preface everything I'm saying with I have no idea what I don't know. Sure. Um, that's so much of, of what goes on is you know, things that you won't hear about. Some things you may never hear about because there can be these third party deals. You know, I didn't mention it before. It's not just the State Department involved in the negotiations. Former U.S. ambassador and, and former governor and former congressman, and everything, Bill Richardson. He makes a living now negotiating for people to, to get them home. And he and his team, um, they get involved because as private individuals, they can have conversations that the federal government is prevented legally from having. Um, so sometimes there are deals, you know, there's that old expression in, in foreign policy or any kind of in, in diplomacy, you, you save my butt, I'll save your face. Um, there will be face saving measures. So you always have to kind of keep in mind, there's probably more going on than we know. But Russia's the one who put it out there, they wanted Victor Boot. And 
he's become, from what I understand, this kind of folk hero in Russia, mm. where he's even like uh, art that he's made in prison is displayed publicly uh, around Moscow. And um, so for some reason, they've got their their uh, their mind trained on him. The the deal people have talked about this, this other American named Paul Whelan, who was arrested in December 2018. He's been there since then. He was convicted of espionage in 2020. The U.S. government says it was a sham. He's wrongfully detained. I had a chance to talk to his sister and brother a couple of weeks ago right. who have followed this deeply. And their approach has been we're not going to put a ton of public pressure on the White House because it's it's inefficient. It's not fair to the White House. They've been much more engaged with the people who are directly involved at the State Department in Richardson's office. And they have said, you know, they have heard like everybody that this kind of conventional wisdom, if you're going to trade, you can't trade Brittany Griner busted for less than an ounce of weed uh, for a guy who's doing 25 years for, right. you know, he's accused of, you know, you know, plotting to kill Americans. There's a big deal that, you know, it's a pretty big gap. But would you trade Paul Whelan? And Brittany Griner for for Victor Boot. Well, Paul Whelan's family says we don't think that's going to happen because when you're negotiating with somebody in Russia, it's not like there's just one guy handling all the cases. You're not dealing with. It's not Bill Richardson talking to Vladimir Putin. Who has an interest in trading for Paul Whelan? Who has the interest in trading for Brittany Griner? They're you know, as far as the Whelan family sees it, and they're more knowledgeable than I am. They're probably separate tracks. So how do you put that together? There's been a lot of speculation recently about what Russia really wants is an easing of the sanctions. Mm. Um, and, and the people I've talked to have from a number of different places, I got to be really careful how, how I attribute yeah. it. But a number of people who are close to this say that they really consider that to be off the table and that Russia recognizes that. Um, so Putin won't get what he wants, but he wants something. So if, if you're going to see a deal, what I'm hearing now is that it's most likely going to be some kind of trade. Um, and there's a recognition that it'd be really tough politically for Biden to bring Brittany Griner home and not Paul Whelan and vice versa. Right. Russia is really good about exploiting uh, our political divisions in this country, which are fairly significant. And um, so that plays into it as well. Uh, but what's what's become clear is Russia saying, don't even talk to us about it un until this trial is over. And when is the trial over? They can drag out forever. Um, like when you look at Paul Whelan, his his pretrial detention was 18 months. Mm. It's you know, they it, it basically they'll make it last as long as they want to. Her, her lawyers in Russia have said um, they expect it to wrap in early August. But the way it works, sometimes you, you show, and this this happened earlier in her, her trial, you show up for court, which is once a week. Um, right now, we're in a gap that's more than a week. She's not back in, due back in court till the 26th. Sometimes you show up and a witness isn't there and the judge you know, suddenly adjourns for two weeks. Um, so you could get to, you know, could be August. Um it really comes down. It has nothing to do with our understanding of the schedule in, in an American right. courtroom. It has everything to do with what makes the most sense for Russia. Do we have any sense of the conditions she's living under right now? It's been described to me as it could be worse. 
<laughs> that it's not great. Look, even you know, pretrial in, in, uh, in an American jail isn't great. Sure. I, I happen to know two people right now who are, um, and you know, being held uh, before sentencing in American jails, and you know, they're they're not good. But the the people I've talked to, her her lawyers were able to see her a couple times a week, so they have eyes on her. And what they've said is she's doing as well as can be expected. Um, it's hard to gauge from these little perp walks that she has to do in and out of court. Right. You know, we get these little glimpses. That's it. Um, it's big theater in Russia. Um, but the, what they say is that she has people she can talk to. She has people she can speak to in English. Um, she didn't speak Russian. She's got reading material. Um, you know, but I also look, even that I have to take with a grain of salt because I'm hearing that from U.S. officials and from her supporters. And they've got a vested interest in not, you know, picking a fight with Russia. You know, they don't want to say her conditions are great. They don't want to say they're terrible. Um, yeah, they don't want us to think she's in the gulag, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, TJ, our time's limited, but I really appreciate this. This gives everyone listening a real insight into what's going on there. And I wish we had better answers going forward, but you've really broke it down for us. Anything to look for in, in coming weeks? You set a trial in August, at least scheduled. Well, that, that's that's what they're hoping. But, um, it, at some point when they wrap it, there's going to be sentencing. There'll probably be, be a harsh sentence, even though she has said it was inadvertent and she pleaded guilty and is asking for the mercy of the court. There's an American, Mark Fogel, who was just convicted there with less than an ounce of weed, and he showed he had a medical license for it in the U.S., and that he really just didn't realize it was illegal there. He just got sentenced to 14 years. Yes. Um, so, oh. again, the sentence is just a bargaining point. Right. So, But that's, that's the next thing to look for. But at some point, a big deal to look for is going to be, when does Bill Richardson get on a plane to Moscow? Because once that happens, that means they think it's something's realistic enough and close enough that it's worth his time to go. So those are kind of the next two mile, mile posts we're looking for. All right, we'll look for it. TJ Quinn, my friend, ESPN investigative reporter, so good at what you do. Really appreciate the time. Anytime, my friend. Thanks for letting me get into it. Hope you enjoyed that. It's been a story out there for obviously months. It'll be continuing story, but good to get an experienced, informed, and really insightful perspective on what's going on there from TJ. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt, Instagram, Andrew Brandt too. And I have my newsletter. If you're not following it already, you should get it free Sunday mornings. Andrew-Brandt.com is how you sign up. If you want daily videos from me and a weekly meeting, Andrew-Brandt.com slash SPL. That's my sports business. League. Produced by Brian Neal, our musical producer, the one and only Sam Brandt. You hear that music under us. And we'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brown.